And we turn now to our scripture lesson for this morning. We are continuing in our narrative lectionary, hearing anew with fresh ears the the one sweeping story of who God is and who we are as God's people. We've particularly been been, uh, noticing that theme of the covenant that God established with us, that sacred bond and relationship that, that we have with God. And that story continues today as we find ourselves in 1 Kings chapter 3. I'll first read from verses 4 through 9, and then just a little different from what's in the bulletin. I'll pick it up at verse 16 and read through verse 28. Hear now God's word for us this day. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I should give to you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father, David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be counted or numbered. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your people? And then picking it up at verse 16. Later, two women who were prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, please, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. We were together. There was no one else with us in the house. Only the two of us were in the house. Then this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your servant slept. She laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my son, I saw that he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, clearly it was not the son that I had born. But the other woman said, no, the living son is mine and the dead son is yours. And the first said, no, the dead, son is, the dead son is yours and the living son is mine. So they argued before the king. Then the king said, the one who says, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead, while the other says, not so, your son is dead and my son is the living one. So the king said, bring me my sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living boy in two, then give half to the one and the other half to the other. But the woman whose son was alive 
said to the king, because compassion for her son burned within her, please, my lord, give her the living boy. Certainly do not kill him. And the other said, it shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide it. And then the king responded, give the first woman the living boy. Do not kill him. She is his mother. All Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to execute justice. This is the word of the Lord. And let us pray. Oh, holy God, we pray that by your grace and mercy, your love, your presence, your Holy Spirit will continue to move among us this morning. That these words I offer will be taken hold of by you, filled with your guidance, your grace, your word for us this day. Surprise and startle us, O oh Lord, in a way we do not expect. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so this morning's scripture from 1 Kings, it's broken into two acts. In both, Solomon, king of Israel, the son of the former King David, he's a key character. In Act 1, Solomon presents offerings and sacrifices to God at the altar in prayer. And soon after that, at night, God appears to Solomon in a dream. And in that dream, God asks, what would you like me to give you? Solomon does not ask for more power or riches. He does not ask for bigger barns or bigger piles of wealth to fill his barns. He asks for wisdom. Solomon asks for an understanding mind to govern his people, the ability to discern between good and evil. God is pleased at what he asks for. God gives it to him, and God is so delighted in his humility and obedient heart behind that request that God also grants him riches in a long life. That's Act 1. Act 2 follows. It's when Solomon is back at work leading and caring for the people of Israel, and in that encounter that he is most known for by the most people, Two women come to him. I had forgotten that the text refers to them as prostitutes. Prostitutes. These two women living in this home, just the two of them. But they are also mothers. Mothers. And one of their babies is accidentally killed when its mother lays on it during the night. And then she switches the babies to make it appear that the child of the other woman is the one that had died. And these two mothers are arguing before Solomon over who is the mother of this child that survives. And Solomon exercising the great wisdom that God has given to him, exercising the ability to discern between good and evil, says, bring me my sword. One half you may have and the other half you may have. And the woman who's not the mother of the child says, that sounds good to me. 
Let's do it. And the woman who is the mother says, no, give the baby to her. Do not harm him. And Solomon returns the child to the woman who is the mother. Passages filled with beautiful lessons on what leadership is meant to look like in a home, a church, a nation. It's filled with powerful lessons on what wisdom is meant to look like. Wisdom in discerning good versus evil. For today, I invite us to shift our focus from Solomon, wise King Solomon, to the nameless woman who is the mother of the child they are arguing over. The one who said, do not harm my child. Give my baby to her. What lessons, friends, might she have for us on what being a parent is meant to look like? What lessons might she have for us on what, great, on what God's great love for us and for all people looks like? I'm filled with abundant gladness and gratitude this morning that more than the usual number of my extended family are in worship with us. Family from Canada and California and Georgia and all sorts of states in between, Indiana. It's an emotional weekend for us as we all gathered yesterday morning at Holy Cross Cemetery and then at St. James Roman Catholic Church to have a memorial service for our mother who died four weeks ago today. And as we anticipate gathering tomorrow in our church's memorial garden right down the hill and have a brief graveside service for our father who died a couple of years ago in the early weeks of COVID. It's an emotion-filled weekend. It's the most honest and accurate way to put it. I always try to be on the lookout for God's presence among us. I know you do the same. I always try to be on the lookout for how God is trying to teach me something or teach all of us something. And I sense that's exactly what God was doing when I realized that this would be the scripture in the lectionary. For this Sunday, the scripture that tells the story of a, a mother who loves her child so much that she is willing to give it up if that's what's required to save the child's life. The passage is an unforgettable reminder that being a parent, and you of course know this, being a parent is about setting aside one's own needs and preferences and desires. For the needs and the well-being of one's, of one's child. None of us do it perfectly. We all stumble and fall short. But by God's grace, that is what God calls us to do, to always strive to set aside our own needs and desires and preferences for the needs 
and the well-being of our children. Now, some of you know the story of how the summer after my freshman year in college, my parents' marriage ended, and that same summer, I bought my first motorcycle. I was living under my mother's roof here in town, and my mother was not pleased. It was among the last things she wanted me to do. She feared I might get into an accident or break a bone or, or worse. But she knew that it was important not to stop me. And so I sold my perfectly good car and bought a motorcycle. Not really thinking through that part about how sometimes it's raining or, or snowing. I thought, well, why waste my money on having both a car and a motorcycle? A motorcycle's all I'll need. And shortly after bringing it home, I gave a ride to my then 12-year-old sister, Deborah, a ride which to her was exhilarating. As soon as we got home, my mother made it very clear that though she wouldn't ban me from riding a motorcycle, she would absolutely ban me from ever giving my sister a ride on that motorcycle. And so for years, I never did give her a ride on it. But I, would always, I will always remember how that same summer, one night after dinner, I convinced my mother not to let my sister ride with me, but to ride my motorcycle herself in our large backyard, wearing my extra, extra large helmet and me running alongside her shouting directions and coaching on how to use the throttle and the brake and the clutch. She took a few laps around that yard, probably wearing some kind of a summer dress and sandals, somehow not crashing into a tree or into our house on the very motorcycle that she so wished I had never bought. None of us do it perfectly. We all stumble and fall short. I know I do. But by God's grace, this is what God calls us as parents to do, to always strive to set aside our own needs and desires and preferences for the needs and the well-being of our children. In the first church that I served, there was a family that had two daughters, the younger daughter. They were both in high school. She had a form of cancer that required all kinds of treatments and hospital stays. It almost took her life. As you can imagine, her health concerns consumed an enormous amount of their energy and attention. And the older daughter often felt forgotten, overshadowed, and less important. Physically, she was healthy, she was fine, but often wondered how much to the others in her family she mattered. That older daughter was a, a shy and introverted person, but one fall she decided to join the drama club at her school, and they had one of those musical productions where each student chooses a song, and they, they sing it and they act it out. Some of them even wear costumes while they're doing it, and she chose the song, I'm gonna wash that man right out of my hair. And I was at that show 
And this quiet, unassuming, always avoiding the spotlight young teenager, she gave it her very best. She did not hit every note perfectly. She was not as polished or confident as some of the other students. But wearing an old bathrobe and with curlers in her hair, she gave that song her all. And what I most remember is her father's reaction. They were sitting about five rows in that auditorium ahead of me. And the second, I mean the second she was finished singing, he jumped to his feet, applauding with as much pride and joy as I'd ever seen a parent express. Truth is, only a handful of other people jumped up to join him in that standing ovation. But he didn't care. And he and three or four other people gave the longest and most enthusiastic standing ovation of the night. The true story is told of a single mother who sent her 24-year-old son off to war during World War II. This was a son who was still very attached to, very dependent upon his mother. And she instinctively knew that he would need a lot of her emotional support to make it through alive. In her goodbye, she made him promise to return home safely and promised in return to write him as frequently as she could. The son joined the Air Force. He nearly lost his life several times, but he survived and he did so a decorated hero. He credited much of his endurance during the hardest times of his three years away to the incredibly encouraging weekly and sometimes even daily letters that he received from home from his mother. And when he returned home, however, he discovered a startling and tragic truth that his mother had been dead for two years, which meant that she had died about one year after he had gone and left for war. It took him some time, but eventually he put all the pieces together. Not only had his mother known that due to an incurable illness, she didn't have much time to live when they had said that goodbye, but she'd spent her last days and nights as her life drained away, writing undated letters to him that were infused with encouragement and hope and love. She'd written over 250 letters and gotten the help of a dear friend who under no circumstances was to let her son know that she was so ill and then that she had passed away. The instructions were that the friend would send the letters every few days until he returned home. And following the mother's instructions, that's exactly what that dear friend did. And he would say those letters and the hope and encouragement they embodied are what got him through that war alive. And so I think about that prostitute in this morning's scripture and how much she loved her son and how swiftly she was ready to give up her son if that's what was required 
to save his life. I think about the kind of parent that God is to us. A parent who sacrifices one's own self for the sake of their child. A parent who goes to any lengths to find their child when they are lost in the wilderness, to comfort them when they are hurting, to communicate their love for them in words they will hear and understand, to set aside one's own needs and preferences and desires for the well-being and the needs of their child. The story of God's covenant with God's people is told in the Old Testament and the new covenant made through Jesus Christ. It's evidence of this. Friends, none of us do it perfectly. We all stumble and fall short. But by God's grace, it is what God calls us as parents to do to always strive to set aside our own needs and preferences and desires for the needs and the well-being of our children. It's the kind of parent that Almighty God is to you and to me. And it's the kind of parent God calls us to be with the children God entrusts to our care. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen.